Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net. And I want to thank Albert for supporting the show in that fashion. Thank you so much for your support, Albert. And uh, you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of The Silent Men. The original air date is January the 13th, 1952, and the title is Little White Lies. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. in The Silent Men. The National Broadcasting Company proudly presents Douglas Fairbanks' production of The Silent Men. Transcribed stories of the undercover operations of the special agents of every branch of our federal government and their relentless fight against crime. Now here is Douglas Fairbanks. Under our free enterprise system in America, we have set a standard of living that is envied by most nations of the world. Valuable contraband that slips into the country undeclared can shake this standard. Our only defense against such damage is the silent men, special agents of the law enforcement divisions of the United States government. The detection and apprehension of smugglers is their life work. In tonight's story, which I obtained recently in Washington, I will portray one of these silent men, special agent Michael Rawson, in the file case entitled Little White Lies of which only the names and places are fictional. It started with a very nervous man who was waiting outside an office door of division headquarters for the Port of New York one morning in March. Uh, you, Mr. Rawson? Yes, you waiting for me? Yeah, one of the guards told me to see you. Oh. Well, come in. Sit down. Thanks. Well, what's on your mind, Mr. Lewis? Uh, Lewis. Raymond Lewis. Mm-hmm. I'm a, a clerk in the jewelers exchange over on the Lower East Side. Uh-huh. I, I feel kind of funny about this, about coming here. But you have some information about contraband, is that it? Yeah. Well, what's the nature of the contraband? Diamonds. Look, maybe I'm making a mistake. I mean, I just happened to overhear some talk. Maybe, maybe there's nothing to it. Well, let us find out whether there is or not, huh? What did you hear? Just a couple of fellas talking in a cafeteria near the exchange. I, I heard one of them say he'd gotten a top-quality blue-white he wanted to get rid of in a hurry. He said he said it was just off a boat. You say which boat? No. He mentioned that the stone had been smuggled in? No, but I knew it was. How? By the way they talked. I can't explain that. Go ahead. Well, the fellow said the stone was worth about 10000 in today's market. Just one stone? Yeah. Well, it must be a beauty. And then one of the other men asked him who he got the stone from. He said, Newbold. Then the third man sort of shook his head and said, 
He's a smart operator. I don't know how he gets him by. I see. Newbold. Yeah, that's the name they mentioned. They mention anybody else beside Newbold? No. These men, had you ever seen him before? No. Would you know him if you saw him again? Well, yeah. I don't want to get mixed up in anything. I got a family. Don't worry. You'll get complete protection. Now, you take this card. If you ever see any of these men again, call this number right away. Try to keep the men in sight, unless you think they know that you're watching them. Uh, I understand. If there is anything behind your story and we seize contraband and make an arrest, you'll be in for a pretty good reward. Reward? Yeah. Uncle Sam pays off on good information from a reputable citizen. If we uncover an illegal shipment, it'll be seized and you'll be entitled to 25% of its value. I didn't know that. A lot of people don't. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Lucas, Mike Rawson, look, do something for me, will you? I want to run down on the passenger lists of all the ships that have made this port in the last few days. Start with yesterday and work back. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now, here's the name I want. Newbold. Right. Might be a first name or a last name. I don't know. No. Diamonds. It took a couple of hours, but they found it. A man named Hans Newbold had cleared the port less than 48 hours before my check. He entered on the Philippe, a liner of French registry, but his passport was issued in Amsterdam. His occupation? Diamond merchant. I checked with inspection at the pier. Yeah, I know the guy, Mike. I checked him through myself. I've checked him through lots of times. Sounds like he comes through often. Every few months. About four times a year. Want to see his declarations? You got him handy? I had him dug out after you called. The last few, anyhow. They're over here. This guy always seemed legitimate to me. Well, he may be. I'm working on a sort of uh, slim tip. Huh. Sure declared a lot of ice. Well, it's his business. Ever find anything he didn't declare? No, no. He's always listed every piece. Values he sets on them are always close to our appraisal, too. Never squats about paying the duty. Ever given him a good shakedown? Oh, sure. We comb him out every once in a while. Did you comb him out this time? No, just a casual. Well, when and if he comes through here again, make sure he gets the full treatment, will you? <laughs> you bet, if you say so. This is his full declaration for this last trip, is it? It's all there. Best piece he brought through is evaluated at uh, $2,700. Anything wrong with that? Well, plenty of my source of information heard right. I'm looking for a piece he didn't declare, with a market value of 10000 For days, I checked on Hans Newbold. He seemed open and above board in selling his merchandise in the United States. He sold to legitimate firms through legitimate channels, and every sale we ran down covered stones listed on his declaration. His contacts were above reproach. I was about to chuck it as a bad lead when I was summoned by the chief of my division. You want to see me, Mr. Bender? Yeah, Mike. How are you making out on that Newbold case? I should be giving my salary to charity. I seem to be getting it for nothing. <laughs> I'm not so sure. Huh? Why not? Uh, that statement you got from that Lewis fellow, Raymond Lewis. Oh, the clerk from the jeweler's exchange. Yeah, I happened to read it. The name Newbold rang a bell a long time ago. Something you handled? Yeah, 
Society dame tried to bring a rock in without declaring it. She was strictly an amateur, but she said she had bought the stone in Amsterdam from a man named Jean Newbold, a jeweler. Well, the man we're checking as Hans Newbold. Yeah. Of course, it could be the same man with a different first name or a relative. Well, whoever it was, he didn't file a declaration of the sale in Holland. Legally, he should have. man who breaks one law is liable to break another. Well, how about wiring our Amsterdam division to get a make on Newbold, Hans or John? Well, that's been done. We'll have an answer by cable tomorrow. Uh, but on your way out, take a look at the return passenger list of the Philippe. Newbold's going home? Uh-huh. Oh. Now, uh, don't let it throw you. We got nothing to hold him on, anyhow. Well, maybe we'll get something the next time around. You've been crossing the ocean a lot lately. You'll be back. The report from the Amsterdam division came in the next day on schedule, just as the Philippe was pulling up her gangplank. We could see her nosing out into the harbor, being bullied along by the tugs. Don't look so grim, Mike. I hate to see him get away with it, that's all, Chief. Yeah, I know. We trade with decent businessmen from all over the world. One like Newbold makes it bad for all the rest of them. Not to mention the fortune it cost the government to run this department. We pay our way, Mike. I didn't mean it that way. I, I, I just meant, well, I don't like a trickster. He's got a good business. He makes enough on the stuff he declares. Come on now, cool down. Read that cable. Okay. Is it? Mm-hmm. Brothers, huh? Yeah. But the one called Jean was killed in a fire. I see that. 1947. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hans Newbold charged with arson in the setting of the fire. No conviction. Hospitalized himself for three months. Multiple second-degree burns. No wonder they couldn't get a conviction. Man who set a fire on purpose wouldn't be likely to get burnt that badly himself. Yeah, well, normally he'd be the last suspect. And I might point out that the insurance enabled him to go into the diamond business on a big scale. I hope the Amsterdam man was careful about getting this information. No, he's a good man. Well, if he is, Newbold will try again. I don't want him scared off before we know how he's doing it. <laughs> It'll get him out of our hair. Yeah. But maybe his trick can be taught to somebody else we're not watching. Well, don't worry. When Hans Newbold pays us another visit, we'll be on the dock waiting for him. Hey, you guys, let stuff down. They're starting to come off the ship now, Sid. Make sure you don't let anything get by. I won't, Mike. Don't inspect him here. Uh, take him into the special shakedown room. Mike and I will watch through the one-way mirror. Okay, Mr. Bender, but no matter how long I work here, that room always gives me creeps. Why? Well, that mirror you look through from the next room uh, <laughs> looks like an ordinary mirror on my side. I feel funny knowing that somebody can be behind there watching me, but I can't see them. We just don't want Newbold to know everybody who's in on this party. If I have to tail him later on, it'll be just as well if he doesn't remember seeing me around here. Well, you better leave quick, then, because that's him now at the head of the gangplank. Yeah, come on. He'll be down fast because I left word for his luggage to get special service. Well, okay, let's just sit down and hope. Good view of the room. Yeah. Oh, uh, I better kick the dictaphone switch on so we can hear them as well as see them when they come in. Yeah. Now we're set. Not any too early, either. Hmm. And there's his luggage. Sid will be bringing him in any minute now. Kind of hot and stuffy in here. It'll be even more hot and stuffy for Newbold if he's trying to sneak anything. Besides, you can't let him freeze to death. Sid will strip him down. I know. 
I was in here with Bud Sistrom when he cracked that Moran case. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy who swallowed the ruby. Yeah. <laughs> he turned pretty red himself when they saw that fluoroscope machine. <laughs> Didn't even have to go... There they are now. You don't have to whisper, Mike. They can't hear us. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Yeah. Uh, just uh, take your clothes off, Mr. Newbold. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Your clothes. Take them off. He's catching on. You're treating me like a very suspicious man. Is uh, this necessary? Is it in the court? There's a screen over there. You'll find a hospital shirt. Wear that. Well, I have a robe in one of my suitcases. We better be right on this. I'll check the suitcases while you undress. Where would I told you? There you are. He doesn't seem rattled. Well, he's been shaken down before. No, not like this. If he's got anything on him, Sid will find it. I told him to rip up or break up anything that looks the least bit suspicious. Yeah. Uh, I uh, hope that this will not take too long, Inspector. No longer than necessary, Mr. Newbold. And you, uh... care about that bag. It was just an act. Mm, kind of a funny grin. I get hurt him. Something funny about his face. Yeah, I noticed that too. Strange face, almost like a mask. Kind of lifeless. Especially the right side of it. It's yeah. pale. Yeah. Can't see it is face, though. He isn't hiding anything there. Hmm. I know. Oh, sure. What? That fire, remember? Oh, yes, that's what it is, all right. Skin grafts. Really must have been burnt, all right. Well, you can't hide a diamond under grafted skin. <laughs> Not without looking lumpy. Uh, put on I your clothing we... on this table, Mr. Newbold. I'll uh, take the shoes first. As you wish. You can sit on the stool until I finish with these things. Mm-hmm. I suppose I'll be uh, examined through this horoscope. Uh, I'll call the technician when we're ready for that. I assure I'm you I'm just that... following established procedure, Mr. Newbold. Uh, just so you don't get excited, I'm... Gonna take the heels off your shoes with the soles. Well, so long as you buy me new ones, go ahead. Might as well turn this thing off. We're not gonna find anything on him. I'm afraid you're right. What time is it? Uh, it's two uh, twenty. By three o'clock, there'll be nothing left to search, and we'll have to let him walk out of here. Well, if he's innocent, Mike, there's nothing else we can do. He's not innocent. Look, now, don't let your feelings override your judgment. I'm boy. not. I can just feel it through that phony mirror. There's something about that face. About the way he grins behind Sid's back. You're really hot, aren't you? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. If he didn't have anything on him, he'd take that search without that deadpan grin. There can be only one reason for that grin in my book. He's smuggling something into this country right under our noses. And he knows that we're not going to find it. The search ended the way we expected it to end, with Newbold walking out into the streets a free man. The things he had left behind littered the search room, and Bender and I gave them a second going over in the hope that Sid had missed something. He hadn't. By 9 p.m., I felt sick. I went home. That you, Mike? Yeah, honey. I was wondering where you were. Got stuck on something. Where are the kids? In bed. It's after nine. Did you eat? Mm, I'm not hungry. I can fix you something. No. No, thanks, honey. 
Is there anything wrong? Uh-uh. I'm just tired. What have you been doing? Just playing some records. Oh, there's some man wants you to call him. Who? Well, he wouldn't leave a name, just a number. It's on the phone table there. Oh, thanks. I'm sorry about dinner and the game, honey. I should have called. <laughs> if you ever did, I'd faint. <laughs> oh, I'd better turn this thing off. Is this the number? Yes, sir. I got a message to call this number. Uh, Mr. Rawson? Yeah. Who is this? Raymond Lewis, the jewelers exchange, remember? Oh, oh yeah, Lewis. I yeah. tried to get you at your office this afternoon, but you were out someplace. I couldn't reach you. Uh, what's on your mind? I saw one of those men again today. You know, the one I told you about with the diamond? Where? Down near the exchange again. He was standing on a corner, so I went into a store to call you. Then somebody picked him up in a taxi. I couldn't get the number. You say he was picked up by the cab? He didn't call the cab? No, there was somebody else in it. He must he must have been waiting for it. Did you see the man in the cab? Yeah, he leaned out the window for a second when the cab stopped. You notice anything strange about his face? Well, yeah. Yeah, one side of it was kind of white, funny looking. Ah, I thought so. Okay, Lewis, thanks. I'm sorry I can't tell you any more. Oh, you told me enough. You know the man in the cab? Maybe. Think you're going to find anything? If I do, you'll hear from me. Sure. Bye, Mr. Rawson. Goodbye. We kept digging on Hans Newbold. In America and in Amsterdam. Background, contacts, dealings, business, the same things over and over again. It began to pay off in small things, pieces of a master puzzle. Here are the correlated reports on Newbold, Mike. A few things I think might interest you. Like what? Each time Newbold makes a trip to America, he has a date just about a week before in Amsterdam with the same woman. Well, might be just a girlfriend. No, he'd see a girlfriend more often than that. Got a check on her? Mm-hmm. First, she looked okay, but... Uh... But she isn't, huh? No. Mm. Before each meeting with Newbold, she does some shopping in the Amsterdam black market. For diamonds? For a diamond. One high-quality blue-white stone. Sure. She shops for new bull, then turns the stone over to him so he can sneak it in here. Yeah, he keeps himself covered, all right. Sure. There's no record of that stone ever passing into his hands. I've been on this thing for months. You want me to hand it to somebody else? No. Mike? Did his girlfriend make diamond purchases before these last two trips he made here? Yeah. Well, I guess you were right, Mike. Somehow he's getting them by us. One stone. One good stone. Why always one? I wondered about that myself. He's got a trick, a gimmick. But if it's as good as it seems to be, why one stone? Why not a big haul? I can't figure it. He takes four or five trips a year. If he brings in a rock worth 10000 each time, he's getting 50000 a year past us. And it's costing us 25000 in duty at 50%. Well, what are you leading up to? We've ripped everything he owns apart. He couldn't have hidden the head of a pin in his baggage with that last shakedown we gave him. So? The stone is on him, on his person. Mike, he's been checked thoroughly. He might hide the stone from us, but he couldn't hide it from the fluoroscope. We, we've even checked his mouth like he was a sick horse. Doc even looked into his ears. I can't help it. I keep seeing his face in front of me night and day. There's something wrong with that face. An accident that left its mark. More than that. Oh, Mike, he can't carry a diamond under his skin. We see him come here and leave. Our man in Amsterdam keeps a watch on him there. I know. 
If there was some gimmick connected with his skin, the diamond would have to be sewn in and cut out. And even the best plastic surgeon in the world couldn't do that without having the man bandaged or something. You can't cut open a face and let it heal in an hour. There's still something that I... Oh, excuse me. Sure. Bender speaking. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, I did. Uh Uh-huh. What flight? All right, I got it. Thank you. Well, speak of the devil. Something about Newbold? Yeah, he's paying us another visit by air this time. When? His plane gets in here tomorrow night at midnight. He'll come through Idlewild. Let me get out there. Let me shake him down myself. I want to look at that face close up. Mike. What's the matter? I don't like to do this. Do what? Mike, I'm going to take you off this assignment. Well, do you mind telling me why? Because you're losing your perspective. It happens. It happened to me. But I... Now, don't make it hard for me, Mike. Uh, I'll switch you to something else. I've worked on this since March. Yeah, but you've got an obsession about Newbold's face. You know this business, Mike. You're a good man. One of the best. But a good man should have an open mind. He should get his ideas on the spot and not in advance. Is that what you're trying to say? That's been said to all of us a hundred times. You're concentrating so hard on Newbold's face because of an old accident that he could carry a stone past you in his clenched fist and you'd never find it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right, Mike. Since the lecture comes from me, I... I might mention that I wasted a whole year on Negrado, the dope sneaker. For a whole year, I concentrated on an elaborate shaving brush he carried. Then finally, somebody found what I was looking for. In a toothpaste tube. You don't want me out there tomorrow night, then, huh? I'll handle it myself. Uh... Why don't you go home and spend a pleasant evening with Doris? You want me to dry those, honey? No, I'm just going to let them drain. I'm almost finished. Did you look at the children? Yeah. Sound asleep already. I wish I could sleep like that. I wish you could, too. You were up about five times last night. I didn't know I disturbed you. I'm sorry. Something's eating you, Mike. What is it? Nothing, really. What time is it? 8.30. Ten minutes later than it was the last time you asked. You going someplace? No, no. Well, I'm finished here. Good. Harry and Charlotte coming over? No. He has his naval reserve meeting tonight. Come on, let's go into the living room. Darling, I could call Mother and ask her to come over and sit. We could go to a movie. Mm, no, I'd rather not tonight. Well, sit down and relax. You're always in such a stew. I'm just trying to think of something. It keeps getting away from me. Anything I can help with? <sighs> no, I'm afraid not. How about some music? Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Well, what do you want to hear? Oh, I don't know. Bach? No, sir. Something dreamy and sentimental. Well, now, the Irving Berlin album, how's that? Do you mind? What do you have for a starter? Little White Lies. Little White Lies it is, played by your favorite husband and built-in disc jockey. Remember that, Mike? Mm-hmm. 
We were still in grammar school. Or was it high? Starting high. Uh-huh. <laughs> you didn't like me then. Says who? You didn't. <sighs> you used to scowl at me. You scowled at all the girls. I did not. I was charming. Oh. Oh. What? Children's report cards. I left them for you to sign. My daughter Judy is doing fine, but your son is... Still can't read, eh? <laughs> well, a C isn't too bad. Not after a string of D's, didn't But you too. I love those words, Mike. Heaven within your eyes. Hey, incidentally, speaking of eyes, do you think Donnie might need glasses? Maybe that's why he's slow in reading. Maybe if I took him in an oculus, I could... Mike, what's wrong with you, darling? Your face is so pale. That's it. That's it. That's got to be it. Mike, what in the world is the matter? Doris, I've got to run. I've got to go out. Where are you going? What's wrong? I'm going to the office, and nothing's wrong, honey. Not anymore. I reached the office at 9.30. It gave me two and a half hours before Newbold's plane would hit the landing strip at Idlewild. I checked a few things so I'd know where to get the information I needed. Then I placed a transatlantic call to the police in Amsterdam, Holland. I asked for a complete rundown on the hospital record of Hans Newbold. It took almost two hours before they got back to me, but the answer was right. I came out of the building on the run and jumped into a moving cab. Newbold's plane had just started to unload at the international enclosure when we barreled through the gate. Here, driver, keep the chain. Hi, Chief. I thought I gave you the night off, Mike. You'll be glad I didn't take it. Where's Newbold? I'm in the shakedown room. I'm waiting for an inspector. Never mind the inspector. Get a doctor. You know what you're doing, Mike? I know. All right. Doc! Right with you, Bender. Now, this is important. Come in. Well, what is it? I want you to help us with something. Uh, which room? Over here. His luggage isn't off the plane yet, though. We don't need his luggage. Well, gentlemen, my welcoming committee grows larger with each visit. <laughs> uh, don't fret about it, Mr. Newbold. This is the last time. You want him to strip? It isn't necessary. Take the man's right eye out, Doc. What? I warn you that I've been subjected to enough indignities. I shall call the consulate Take and... a good look at that eye, Doc. That's why the whole side of his face looks dead. It's a glass eye. Isn't it, Mr. Newbold? Yes. You're right. Sure. Nobody looked at his eyes too closely. The skin graft scars got all the attention. His luggage got the attention. And we don't fluoroscope a man's head. What about it, Newbold? Make it easy on yourself. This is the first time I... You can save that. You've had a high-quality blue-white cemented inside that false eye every time you come through this country. You want to make it easy on yourself, just give us a list of your customers. We'll send them a guard, Doc. You wait here until Mr. Dumold turns in his evidence. Come on, Mike. Well, that eye business wasn't just a guess, huh, Mike? No. I called the hospital he was treated at in Amsterdam at the time of the fire. I figured with burns like he had... Now, that's good thinking, Mike. It fell on me like a mountain. A song about eyes. And the fact that my son can't seem to learn his reading lesson. Hey, I gotta hop a cab and get home. Oh, no, you don't. You've got reports to fill in, my Oh, boy. no, I haven't, sir. You took me off the case, remember? What the devil are you... Ah, now, look. 
You took me off. You fill out the reports. <laughs> I left my wife feeling very tender and sentimental. And you told me to spend the evening with her. So? You've got your orders. Well, go ahead. And give Doris my best regards. This is Douglas Fairbanks again. The interruption of Hans Newbold's smuggling operation closes another chapter in the distinguished chronicle of our silent men, the special agents of all branches of our federal government who daily risk their lives to protect the lives of all of us. Next week, we will tell you a story involving counter-espionage in the file case entitled The Big Hoax, another venture undertaken for our protection by the silent men. <laughs> The Silent Men is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's case was written by Joel Murcott and transcribed in Hollywood. Only the names and places were fictional. Featured in tonight's cast were Bertram Tanswell, Frank Gerstle, Bill Conrad, Jeff Corey, and Vivi Janis. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Douglas Fairbanks will shortly present Betty Davis, Gary Merrill, and Emmeline Williams in the motion picture, Another Man's Poison. Listen again next week and every week to other exciting cases involving the law enforcement adventures of the special agents of our federal government. For they are the silent men. Welcome back. Well, an interesting episode, and I did like how the um, humanity of the federal agents was portrayed, with it being a situation that um, he just got too obsessed with the case to be able to effectively work it and had to take a step back. Which does make sense, you know, in any job where you've got to analyze things and try and solve problems, you can just get so much uh, tunnel vision that you can't figure out what you're doing. And I think his boss was absolutely right to have him step away. And of course, he does end up solving the case when he is, n is not totally obsessed with it. I also appreciated the uh, boss just saying, yeah, th this happened to me. This is a type of thing that happens. And, you know, that makes sense, because even though I don't think this episode, you know, unlike some of them where you're totally convinced of the severity of the crime, uh, you are convinced that they really do care about their jobs and about uh, thwarting these uh, smugglers. I also can believe the glass eye uh, solution. Uh, my uh, paternal grandfather, he had a, uh, a glass eye, and I... I never caught or, you know, was like, oh, well, this is obviously a, a glass eye. But his face was different. 
Uh, I don't think it was to the extent that the gentleman in this case was. But then again, the episode made clear that, that this guy had had some other injuries. And once again, you have a criminal who's really uh, undone by his own arrogance to just keep doing the same thing over and over again just because he you know, had gotten away with it uh, so far. Because at this point, it was clear that the feds were on to him. So a judicious thing would have been to lay off this particular uh, setup for a while. Or to go into some other port or even, you know, lock up into Canada or something like that. But no, this guy just bet that he could keep fooling the feds until he finally decided to retire. And that's never a good bet. All right, well, I uh, do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Dave, Patreon supporter since August, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support. A reminder, if you are enjoying this podcast, please rate or review it wherever you're getting uh, your podcast. Join us back here tomorrow as we celebrate... 3,450 episodes. An interesting uh, episode of Escape. And then we'll be back on Monday with Casey Crom Photographer. And then next Saturday, another episode of The Silent Men. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.